Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a guy that has more of a winning culture than the entire Cleveland Browns organization. He is the captain. And a man that's 0-9 in your hearts, the colonel. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. This week we are drinking Blue Mountain Brewery's classic lager by the good people at the Blue Mountain Brewery in Virginia, garage grade four out of five bottle caps. This is exactly what I was looking for, a crisp, clear, lightly hopped lager. This baby is cold fermented and lagered for six glorious weeks. Exactly. And you can pair this beer with just about any meal. And this great beer was brought to us by these glorious guys and girls. First up, we have Christopher in Syracuse, New York. Next up, we have Alexander in London, London. Next up, we have a big thank you to Holly in Parts Unknown, where newly elected mayor captain is making Holly the Parts Unknown queen for a day. Also in Parts Unknown, we have Rebecca and Peter. Am I allowed to make people uh, queen for the day? Is that a a power that I, I have? Well, you're the first mayor, so there's really no... There's really no rule book or textbook on how you're supposed to handle this well, job. I just hope I don't end up on CNN News or something. Oh, oh, it's going to happen. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there goes the garage. All right, we want to give a shout-out to Lawrence in Montreal, Quebec, and we also have Danielle in Columbus, Indiana. To our friend Mike, our thoughts are with you and your family. Here's one for your father, Alex. Everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. Autumn. School is in full swing. The leaves start to change colors, and the nights start to get cool. And every Friday night, students everywhere gather at high school football stadiums to experience the magic of the Friday night lights and cheer their team on to victory. On October 4th, 2002, At Gallic's High School, that Friday night, the students, faculty, and family members gathered around the field and under the lights to cheer on the mighty Maroon Tide. One of their favorite student athletes was a gentle giant, 320-pound senior football star, Brandon Billings. Brandon was dedicated to his fellow teammates, his friends, and his family. And every Friday, his parents attended the games. On Saturday, October 5th, 2002, Brandon celebrated his 18th birthday. For Brandon, everything was falling into place. He's halfway through another great football season. The exciting times of his senior year, a milestone birthday, and planning for college. That Saturday night, 
Brandon went out to celebrate his 18th birthday with his friends. His parents were shocked when Brandon failed to return home that night. What was even more uncharacteristic, he didn't even call to say he was staying at a friend's house. It was a day that was supposed to bring joy and happiness and only left Brandon's family and friends heartbroken. This is the case of Brandon Billings. Kyle Brandon Billings was born October 5th, 1984. He lived with his mother and dad. This is Sherry and Kyle Billings and his sister Angie in Virginia. We have two Kyles in our story, Captain. We have Kyle Billings, the father, and his son, Kyle Brandon Billings. Right, and that's why everybody calls the son Brandon Billings and not Kyle Brandon Billings. Mm -hmm. Now, our story starts in 2002. In 2002, the Billings family was living in the Gallics area. Full disclosure here, Captain, the newspaper articles on this case named several small cities and two or three counties, and I'm not super familiar with that area, so forgive me if I sound like a nitwit here, but mm -hmm. uh, we're, we are saying that the Billings family lived in the Gallics area, but the key thing here is Brandon attended Gallics High School. Brandon is a star on the football team. Uh, we're going to say star because that seems to be one, if not the most important thing uh, to Brandon. And Brandon was a big dude. Yeah, big boy. Over 300 pounds. He played, I believe it was on the offensive line. Uh, he also played a little bit of linebacker. Yeah, it was weird because it seems like uh, some reports would say he's a linebacker. Some people would say he's a lineman. Obviously, there's, you know, there's a big difference. But, I mean, 320-pound linebacker coming at you. That's uh, that's a scary sight. Yeah, and I tend to lean with the thought here that he might have been offensive line because of, it, one, his size, and two, his number, number 79, that's a typical offensive line number. Um, but Brandon's dad, Kyle, he never missed one of Brandon's games. He was at all of the games, mm -hmm. and he was also one of those fathers that would attend a lot of the practices whenever he could. The Billings family, they sat in the stands at Gallic's High School countless nights watching Brandon take to the football field. The school's team is called the Maroon Tide. And this is a very small area. I mean, the counties would have less than 20,000 people. So October 4th is a Friday. And just like most or all of the fall Friday nights, Brandon played on the varsity football team. So Brandon had a football game that night. The next day is Saturday, October 5th. This is Brandon's birthday. Brandon Billings turned 18 years old on this day, so a mild, a milestone birthday. Yeah. Well, on that Saturday, Brandon let his father, Kyle, borrow his pickup truck that morning. There was something called the Galax Lord's Acre Sale, um, some type of community event. Right. Kyle Billings had a funnel cake stand, so Brandon let his father the truck so he could pull the stand to this event. Later that day, once Brandon got his truck back, he loaded up the bed of his truck and he delivered a bunch of firewood to his grandmother's house. So I probably exchanged like, hey, deliver this firewood. I'll give you the truck. So I think just, you know, looking at that Friday and Saturday, we get a pretty decent idea of what kind of dude we have here in Brandon Billings, a, a dedicated football player and someone that could have. You know, he could have been out running around with his friends or just doing whatever on that Saturday. However, we have him helping out his father and then later helping out grandma. Yeah, and normally when it is your 18th birthday, I mean, he might have partied a little bit on Friday night after the game. Uh, there was normally always somewhere to go after the games, um, in my town anyways. And then, uh, But we see him that he wakes up at a decent time and he starts doing some chores and whatever he needs to do. Because he, he does want to hang out for his birthday that night. Mm -hmm. Well, after delivering the firewood to his grandmother's place, uh, he came home. Brandon came home and he took a nap. Apparently, according to Brandon's parents, Brandon must have overslept. Because when he woke up, he was he was in a hurry to leave the house. Okay, He basically went running out the door 
despite hearing his parents calling for him to, you know, wait a minute, where are you going? Those typical questions. Right. Brandon just simply saying, I can't, I got to go. And with that, he was off. Well, Brandon may have been late to join some friends for a birthday dinner would be my guess. Right. Because we have a friend of his, his name is Jason Cole, a good friend of Brandon's. They had dinner together that night at a Mexican restaurant. So we, we know that Brandon hung out with several friends that night. Uh, Jason Cole, who he had dinner with. We also have Seth Greer and Joseph Wright, two other close friends of Brandon's. And Brandon hung out with his girlfriend that night as well. And her name is Elizabeth Edwards. They were going to be partying that night and in part to celebrate Brandon's birthday. At some point, Elizabeth, his girlfriend, takes a photo of Brandon that evening wearing a party hat. Brandon is going to be hanging out well past midnight that night. So now it's early morning hours of Sunday, October 6th. Mm -hmm. Joseph Wright says that he saw Brandon Billings at the On The Way. That's the name of a a small convenience store. Uh, He saw them and he talked to Brandon briefly. He said that Brandon Billings appeared to be in a good mood. He didn't say anything out of the ordinary. And after they talked for a little bit, Brandon got in his truck and he pulled out of the parking lot and he headed west on US 58 towards Independence. Well, now a lot of these small towns, they have a strict curfew. Mm -hmm. So normally the curfew for anybody under 18 is, I think, midnight. Uh, You can actually get pulled over and arrested for being uh, out past curfew. But now, you know, Brandon's an adult now. So maybe this is one of the reasons why he chose to Hey, I could, you know, I can stay past curfew. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing here is, like you said, Brandon, Brandon is by himself, reportedly by himself, according to this Joseph Wright, who saw him at the on the way convenience store. And this is 3.40 a.m. So it this is very kind of out of the norm, out of the norm for Brandon. Yeah. And at this point, we kind of lose track of Brandon Billings. But there seems to be, like you said, some questionable things going on here. First, this seems late, right? Late mm-hmm. late at night for a young man that reportedly from both of his parents stated that he observed the curfew laws and he would call if he would be late or if cha- if plans were to change right. and he was going to stay the night. But like you point out here, we have something interesting going on because this is the first night that he's 18. Who, who knows what... Who knows what's, you know, what has changed for him? Maybe he thinks, you know, I don't have to call anymore. Well, I don't have to observe the uh, curfew laws. How were your parents in high school? Um, so my, f- I lived with my father when I turned 18 and he, he spoke with me and he basically said this, he's like, look, you're 18 now. You can kind of come and go as you please. Um, you know, if you come in late at night, I'm, that's not going to bother me as long as a, you don't wake me up. <laughs> you know, and, right. you know, as long as you're not rude about it. Um, what about and, changing your plans, calling and changing your plans? Do you have to call? Um, no, I didn't. I didn't have to call for, for that. Once I, once I was 18. Now, when I was under 18, I, I was to kind of keep the parents involved in what I was doing and, and, you know, up to date. Yeah. Cause I was lucky just to, I mean, I could call at any time and they would just, you know, what, whatever I said was fine. Mm-hmm. Like, they never question it. I remember one time I, I you know, I, I got hammered and I shouldn't have been that drunk. And I, I remember calling my father and saying, I'm drunk. And, uh, and I was real nervous too. Cause it was like, you know, 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, Oh God. But I felt like I got to call him cause I'm not obviously coming home. Mm-hmm. And it was simply, you know, I'm drunk. And he was like, okay. Uh, uh, are there parents there? And I was like, no, he goes. <laughs> well, just don't leave. And then yeah. he, they hung up the phone. Never talked about it after that. That was it. Well, that's what's strange here, though, Captain, because the Brandon's parents—they're concerned that he's not home. But maybe this just kind of slipped through the cracks. Maybe it didn't occur to them. Hey, son's turning eighteen. Mm-hmm. This is a conversation that we need to have. Or, or maybe they expected him to be out a little bit later. You know, and maybe they're already in bed. They're already asleep. So they don't even know that he's not back yet. But we should also point out that his, according to his friend, Joseph Wright, Brandon Billings didn't appear to be 
speaking or doing anything out of the norm. Well, and this is 2002, mm-hmm. so I'm assuming that Brandon doesn't have a cell phone. Right. Especially because it's a small town, so even back then, uh, it, would, it would have been odd for any of my friends to have a cell phone, um, maybe a, a pager or something. Uh-huh. Well, and the other thing that I want to point out here is that according to this report uh, by his friend, that Brandon would have been heading, would have most likely been heading in the opposite direction of his home. So it doesn't look like he was planning on returning home at 3.40 a.m. Now, on Sunday, October 6th, we have a man, this is Ricky Stewart. He's in his 30s. He's with his wife, Arlene. They are on the property of Larry Carrico, a property off of Rock House Lane. This is a very rural area. Mm -hmm. Now, Ricky and his wife are there with Larry's permission to deer hunt on the property. This is something that Ricky had done many times. Now, Larry lives in a house at the top of the hill. Ricky and his wife are, they're not on the top of the hill. They are down by the creek. Mm -hmm. This is around 1130 a.m. to about noon on that Sunday. Ricky said that he didn't see anyone else in the area. And for whatever reason, I found this to be a strange observation, but like I said, Ricky had hunted in this area many times. And he said that he found the area to be unusually clean. I guess there were usually, you know, like trash strewn about. Hmm. Um, They were out looking for deer for about two hours or so. And Ricky Stewart said that he and his wife decided to head back toward the road. This is when he saw what he thought was the reflection of either sunlight off of a windshield or sunlight off of a taillight. This caught his eye through the brush. Then when he studied it more, he was sure he was seeing a section of a vehicle. So Ricky Stewart said that he went down through the brush to what he could clearly now see was a pickup truck. As he got closer, he saw a body partly hanging out of the driver's side door. Mm. The person was obviously dead, but Ricky Stewart did not know who this person was. He said he was incredibly startled and shaken by this discovery. Obviously, I don't think anyone leaves the house expecting to find a body. He tells his wife to call 911, but her cell phone would not get any service down there by the creek. So they drove up to his boss's house, uh, Larry's house at the top of the hill. And he asked Larry's wife to call 911, which she did. Well, they stayed at the house for about five or 10 minutes, and then they went back down to where they had found the truck. Right. So first on the scene was uh, EMTs. Then we have Officer Barnett. He says he reported to the scene about 10 minutes after the call came in. The first thing that the officer noticed was that the truck that held the body of the, at this time, unknown man, it was sitting in the soft dirt of the creek. The tires were sunk into the dirt almost almost all the way up to the steel rims of the tires. Mm. There were some tracks around the truck but they were quickly able to determine that those were from the first responders. Here's one thing that's going to upset you a little bit, Captain. There was there was one, what they're labeling as one good footprint in the soft mud that was of interest to the investigators. But before they could take an impression of this, oh. it was accidentally stepped on by the medical examiner. <sighs> Fami Malik. <laughs> Jesus. No, uh, but small town, so I mean, uh, you know, probably not that many murders take place in this county, so uh, you got to give them somewhat of a leeway uh, on not knowing how to, uh, you know, they might know how to investigate a scene, but that doesn't mean that they've done it enough where it's going to be, you know, 100% to the book. Well, and the other thing here is the, the medical examiner is not showing up hoping to destroy evidence. Uh, the medical examiner probably well, hopefully not. Yeah. The, w- what I'm assuming is 99.9 times, you know, it, it sounds, it sounds bad that, that he or she was the one that stepped on the, the footprint, mm-hmm. but let's keep in mind somebody else, one of the investigators or somebody already on the scene could have pointed it out. Hey, don't step there. Yeah. Or, you know, roped it off. 
Yeah, there you go. How that's an idea. Yeah, the, <laughs> here you go. Okay, so Officer Barnett, uh, he didn't get much of a chance to investigate the actual scene where they found this truck in the body mm-hmm. because he was sent to interview people up and down the street, up and down the road there, to see if they knew anything regarding their findings. But no one that lived on that street had seen or heard anything uh, that seemed of any of importance. Nobody heard any gunshots? We'll, we'll get to that because there's some information here. But nobody saw anything that day is what you're saying. Correct. As far as Officer Barnett goes, while he's investigating and talking to these the neighbors mm-hmm. in this area, they've not seen or heard anything. Now, they asked Ricky Stewart and his wife, the two that had found the body, if they had seen or heard anything of importance. Now, Ricky said that when they were heading out of the creek area to go up to the house to call 911, Mm -hmm. they saw a little silver or gray Nissan coming into the area, so a small car. But they had just glanced at it. What does that mean, into the area? Into the area where the truck was? Yes, yes. Because this area that the truck was in, um, this was kind of known to the kids as like kind of a make out alley type thing. Yes. It's not really an alley, but it's kind of like a country road, but you know, Hey, we can go by the Creek and, uh, it's a secluded spot back there. Do some, uh, tongue battling. So I, uh, maybe I'm not describing it good enough, but we have the truck that was found with the body in it is basically in the Creek area. Okay. And they had to, Ricky and his wife who found the body, they have to leave the area. They have to mm-hmm. go back up to the house so they they can call 911. When they're heading up to the house, this little car is driving in toward the creek, toward the truck. But it could just be somebody turning around. Yeah, there was a turnaround in that area. Now, he said that he couldn't tell, um, he couldn't recall anything about the people inside the, tr- inside the Nissan mm-hmm. or even how many people were in the car. Uh, he said he just glanced at it. He also said that when they went back down to the area of the crime scene, he did not see the Nissan again. But the sheriff's deputy's car was already there by this point. So Ricky Stewart told the officers that when he got closer to the truck that he had spotted, he could see the driver's side door was slightly open. Not it, this. The door wasn't well, open yeah. all he, of the way, just well, a little bit. Yeah, and he also said that driver was hanging out. He said that there was nothing in the way of the door. So it could have been opened all the way, but it had not. He said that the young man's body was partially outside of the truck on the driver's side. Mm -hmm. And Ricky actually went up and he checked the body for a pulse, but he said that there was none. As for the small Nissan car, now Ricky, when questioned about this car, he said that he tried to actually flag down the car. He wanted to, you know, kind of warn them right. about what they had seen. He said that the vehicle was going too fast, that they, they may not have noticed that he tried to wave at them. He decided not to follow the vehicle, not to follow the Nissan, because they wanted to call 911 as soon as possible. Now, at this point, after having called 911, mm-hmm. remember at the scene we have EMTs there. We have the officer that responded first, uh, uh, Officer Barnett. Right, and we have the medical examiner dancing all over evidence. Actually, I don't think by this point the examiner has arrived. But we have another officer that arrives at the scene. His name is Terry Anders. Mm -hmm. Now, Terry Anders very quickly tells Officer Barnett, this thing looks like a homicide and not like a traffic fatality to him. The thing here is got to keep in mind, Captain, we have a truck with with a body in it that's down in the creek, basically. Right. It could have potentially been a traffic accident or a traffic fatality. We don't see any signs of a wreckage on the vehicle. Right. And well and but we also don't see any bullet holes in the vehicle either. There was some damage to the truck. My guess is that it wasn't until after this officer Anders arrived that Officer Barnett would have been sent off to interview people up and down the street. Well, what kind of damage are we talking about? See, I don't know that. All I know is that there was damage to the vehicle. There's normal wear and tear damage. I mean, uh, trucks are notorious. You know, anybody that owns a truck knows that people like to hit you. Like, mm. you know, <laughs> normally when somebody's backing out, like in a parking lot or something, they'll hit the bed of the truck. Mm-hmm. So you'll see a lot of trucks that have little dings and stuff on the bed because 
somebody wasn't paying attention and didn't see the bed. Well, some of the first observations that this officer Anders makes, the driver was wearing a t-shirt. The deceased was wearing a t-shirt and it had been pulled up over his head. The seat belt on the driver's side appeared to have been cut. He saw what appeared to him to be two gunshot wounds behind the deceased ear. The truck itself, he figures out that it's registered to a Kyle and Sherry Billings. So I'm assuming the officers are going to call the Billings house. Well, let's go to the Billings house. So we have we have Sherry and Kyle Billings who they're concerned because they've discovered that their son had not come home from that Saturday night. Right. Sherry Billings, she started to call around to Brandon's friends the morning after to find out where he was. They're probably pretty worried, but not probably super worried because it was his birthday. So you got to kind of take that into account. It sounds like the, and this is kind of a typical situation. I'm guessing it sounds like mom was pretty concerned and it sounds like dad had just thought, well, it's his birthday. He probably just got a little wild, maybe a little crazy. And he went and did something that uh, he normally wouldn't have done. At some point that evening, a vehicle drove up to their home and it parked behind the home just where Brandon would always park his truck. Mm. Well, at this time, Sherry called out to her husband, Kyle, and said, hey, your son's finally home. So they they both walked to the back door where they didn't find Brandon as they had expected, but they found Sheriff Wilson along with investigator Glenn Hyatt. Sherry's mind immediately leapt to a car accident. Yeah. She was totally unprepared for what they were about to tell her that they had found Brandon. He had been found shot to death around two 30 PM on that Sunday, October 6th, just one day after his 18th birthday. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer 
or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers, mates. Cheers. Let's get into this investigation, Captain, because we have this situation where we have 18-year-old Brandon Billings. He's been killed. He's been found dead in his truck in a creek near the New River. Well, by a creek. By the creek. And now they've identified their victim. And now we have an investigation that's going to take place. We mentioned that they went to the Billings' home and told the parents that, unfortunately, they had found their son dead. Now, they're going to ask them, of course, when was the last time they had seen Brandon? Right. They're going to tell the investigators the story of Brandon oversleeping the day before, waking up, saying he was running late for something, and basically rushing out the door. Right, but we're assuming that's his birthday dinner. Correct. Because later, his parents said later that day, they had seen his pickup truck parked outside of a Mexican restaurant in Galax that evening. So this obviously is where he was having dinner. So I think this is important for a couple of reasons. One, the parents having seen Brandon's truck parked in the parking lot. So obviously it corroborates the story of Brandon having dinner with his friend. But we also have a situation where Kyle, Brandon's father, said that he could see the truck clearly and it did not appear to have any damage on the vehicle at the time that he saw it in the parking lot. Right. Now, we, we do have some witnesses. You asked about if there were any witnesses or if people had seen or heard anything. The witness we have, this is Albert Barkley Jr. He's 68 of Huntersville, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. He and his wife were camped across the river from the scene of the crime in their RV. 
Barkley said that he had heard what sounded like three gunshots around 4 a.m., which he knew because they checked the time when they were startled awake by the noise. So these gunshots startle you awake and you don't call the cops, but maybe you don't call the cops because this is an area that people hunt in. So maybe you're just assuming that there's hunters out early on the weekend. Well, yeah, I found that a little confusing too. Um, now, Barkley said that after hearing the first set of shots, he then heard a second round of shots, this time two gunshots, and he saw lights in the dark across the river at what would later be identified as the actual crime scene. Now, he went back to bed after this second round of shots, and while in bed, he heard a final shot. He got up again. So he, he hears a total of how many shots? Three and then another round and then another single shot correct so so by this point he hears three then two then one according to his account so a total of six shots yeah maybe you don't call the cops just because you hear the gunshots but once you see the lights from a vehicle i would assume at that point that you would call the cops yeah he told them that he saw again he saw lights from what appeared to be a vehicle they asked him if he could describe the vehicle. He said that all he could say is that he saw lights. He couldn't tell you what it was. He thought that it might be a truck, but he wasn't. He couldn't say for certain. Now, Albert Barkley and his wife, they said that later that morning, they left to go visit some friends in the Elk Creek area. When they came back, by this time it was the afternoon, and this is by then they had already stumbled upon the crime scene. So the crime scene was being investigated at that point, and that's when he reported having heard these shots. In the wake of Brandon's death, the police pursued leads and interviewed more than 100 people looking for clues while they awaited for the autopsy report. Investigators met daily to discuss their findings, stating that we, we answered all the tips that were coming in at the time. Anytime anyone calls, they went out and checked out the tip. Meanwhile, friends and family began raising money for the funeral. Turkey Knob Church, where Sherry Billings was a member, held a bake sale to raise money. Family friend Sherry Bear began another fund drive, setting up donation jars at businesses to collect money. Her daughter, Holly, was a classmate of Brandon's at Galax High School. The Delps Studio, this is one of those uh, photo studios, mm -hmm. donated a 16 by 20 portrait of Brandon to the Billings family and the owner provided photos of Brandon to all members of the Galax football team and the senior class. Let's get into some of the evidence, Captain. So Brandon Billings was found shot to, de shot to death from multiple gunshots, but his truck had no bullet damage. Right. The truck was in a small creek near the New River on Rock House Road off of Patton Mill Road. By a creek. Because we keep saying in a creek, but it was just by the creek. Well, I think, I actually think that both descriptions might be correct, just depending on who's giving it. And that sounds you like can't a. be both correct. Yes, I, th I think they can. It sounds confusing, but this is a confusing crime scene. And actually, the way that it's described in the newspaper accounts doesn't help to clear much up in my mind. Right. Here, here's what I can gather. Okay. So we know that the tires were found in what's reported as the soft mud or soft dirt near the creek yeah see i wonder if it's like a service road that you have to go down and that you know because like i said i mean this was kind of known as like a makeout area for the local kids or like the high school kids would you know you don't have a place to go make out at your parents house or whatever so you go to the, these service roads and that's kind of what i'm envisioning in my head because i know in my town we had a couple service roads that people would you know go do naughty stuff there. Well, my parents always made sure that they had a special spot <laughs> at our house for children to make out. Now, so sounds the, so bad. The, the way that it sounds to me, Captain, is okay. So we know the truck was off the road. Um, right. It was it was in the dirt or mud, however you want to describe it. Where some people may say to be in the creek, you have to physically be in the water. Right. It wasn't in the water. However, it may have been damn near close to it where others might describe that as, well, the truck was found in the creek. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's the reason for the confusion. And I think that maybe um, we can use some of this, this autopsy that the police are waiting on to help clear up some of these questions that you and I have. So as you had said, this was a 
favorite party location for the local teens. Oh, party location also. That's what the the locals refer to it as, party location. Mm. Now, the police state that they didn't know whether the vehicle had wrecked before or after Brandon was shot. Okay, so just to be clear, because I wasn't clear before, there was definitely some sign of wreckage. There was some sign of wreckage to the vehicle. There was no uh, bullet damage found on the truck itself. I'm unclear as to what the damage, the wreckage damage was on the truck. Right. This was a tough case. I mean, there, there was a lot that was not clear. But we do know that it was wrecked because the police outwardly say, we don't know if the wreck occurred before or after he was shot because he could have been in the driver's seat, the vehicle on in drive, you get shot and then you let your foot hit the pedal and take off or you, or you let up off of the brake and the vehicle heads down towards the Creek. Right. All these things are possible. The police also said that there is no evidence that Brandon was abducted or forced to drive to rock house road. Okay. They said that, uh, yeah, because the big question here, you got to start with why was Brandon out that late? Right. What the heck was he doing? And I mean, he was by himself. Like, yeah, I could understand if he was with his girlfriend or with some buddies, that would make sense to me. But it sounds to me like he's driving away from his home right. and he's by himself. Yeah. He's heading somewhere. Where is he heading to? And he wasn't, this is not a kid that was reported to have any misdealings. You know, it said, you know, all of his family and friends basically said he was a gentle giant. He was the kind of dude that if he saw trouble, he would just turn and walk away. And I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to throw shade, but you see this happen a lot of times in cases where somebody is tragically murdered and, and they were an angel in the community and they were the perfect person. And then sometimes if you do some digging that you find out not so much in this case, though, there's no wavering on this. This guy was, uh, you know, basically a big teddy bear. Well, and it's not just his parents saying that he was an awesome guy. It's his friends as well. You know, his, his contemporaries are saying he didn't do drugs and he, yeah, he did party a little bit. They said he would attend parties and he probably, I'm guessing would consume a little alcohol at these parties. Mm -hmm. But what the friends had said was he was the type of dude that only went to the parties to be with his friends. He wasn't like the wild guy that was leading the party or showing up with bottles of booze. Right. You know, he wasn't that guy. Um, what else did the police find? So they found that his body was bruised and I don't know the locations of these, of the bruising, but the police did say that these bruises could have resulted from either a truck wreck or from Brandon having played a football game that Friday night. Right. So I'm, I'm assuming that these bruisings are on his chest or shoulder. So again, uh, anybody that's been in a pretty difficult car wreck, you'll like a couple days later, you're going to see like bruising across your chest from the seatbelt. Mm -hmm. But also anybody that's played, you know, sports, you know, you wake up on, on Monday and kind of notice bruises, uh, especially football, you know, you get hit with a helmet and the ribs. And the next thing you know, your whole side is, is, is bruised. Well, we both played a little football growing up and I were pretty good. Oh man. I was like, I was like the Bo Jackson of Columbus, Ohio, the glory days. (laughs) No, but, um, he would the, run up walls and stuff. It was great. But the thing is, when you when you play football, not just the bruising of the ribs, but remember that you would you'd wake the bruising up bruising of the ego. You'd wake up a couple days later and you would have like purple and blue marks and black marks on your on parts of your arms and your forearms. Yeah, yeah. That you don't even they weren't things that hurt at the time during the game or during practice. You didn't even recall that and why would it have bruised so much? Um, but, but I'm assuming when they say bruising on the body, I'm assuming chest or stomach area, uh, not so much the arms because I think they would have stated as such. Well, you, you could be right. But the reason why I went ahead to point that out was that these could be taken either way. These, these are very obvious bruises that I would expect to see someone having played a football game that Friday, but they would also be obvious bruises of someone I would have expected for like defensive wounds. If there was some kind of altercation, if he was in some yeah. kind of fight, well, or or the wreck, if there was a wreck that could you could uh, sustain those injuries, so there's three options, mm-hmm. and that makes it even more difficult. Here's another. Here's a weird thing, and I'm telling you, Captain. I, the last couple nights, I've laid in bed and I've thought about this crime scene, and it just doesn't make. There's just, I can't make any sense of it. Mm-hmm. So, all right, sorry. I just 
I let you in my head there for a minute, but I don't want to be in your head. Brandon's wallet was missing, but police did come out and said that they, they did not assume robbery was a motive for his murder. Well, his parents would know if he had a bunch of money on him or like birthday money on him. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you're talking about an 18 year old kid. I mean, why would you rob an 18 year old kid? You're, you're not hitting the lottery with that. Mm-hmm. Well, the medical examiner who performed the autopsy on Brandon Billings uh, stated that Billings had sustained two bullet wounds on the left side of his head and one on the right side, as well as a shot to the neck. Three. That doesn't make any sense. Three of these shots were from an indeterminate range. She estimated that one of that the one on the right side of Brandon's head was fired from a, a distance of about six to 12 inches. So okay. we have, we have four bullet wounds. We have three that they cannot determine the distance from which the, the bullets were fired. Right. And one that appears to have been shot at close range, six to 12 inches, the back of his left. Well, and which one was the six to 12 inches? Uh, that was the one on the right side okay, of Brandon's so, head. So he's in the driver's seat, six to 12 inches. You either have a pretty long arm, because this is a Ford Ranger, so yeah. it's it's not a huge truck. So you could actually reach in with your arm and shoot somebody and be six to 12 inches away. You, you can reach in through the passenger side window. Right. So then my question would be, is that window, was it open or shut? And determined on how much his his face was turned, his head was turned, it, the shot could have come from the driver's side window. Or, remember, he was found partially outside of the, the vehicle door. Right. And him being partially outside of the vehicle door may explain why there was no bullet damage to the truck. That's the problem I have here. I can't, I look at this crime scene and I go through the autopsy and we got plenty more to get to here. I can't determine if he was in or outside of the truck at the time that the shots took place. Yeah, because he could have been shot by, uh, you know, an individual or two individuals and they and they place him back into the truck or half back into the truck. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, you know, he could have been standing by his truck mm-hmm. when this attack takes place. And he's a big boy. Yeah. But, and maybe that is one of the reasons why he only got half back into the truck. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because he was such a big boy. The back of his left hand had gunpowder grains on it. So this suggesting that his hand was possibly up when he was shot. You know, maybe kind of trying to defend himself. Okay, so. Or shield himself in some way. Just to throw this out there and and tell me if I'm ludicrous. Uh, Okay, so he has gunpowder residue on his hand. Mm -hmm. Is there, I mean, did they do any testing to see if he fired uh, anything? Uh, it's it's actually described as gunpowder grains, which I don't know if that's different than gunpowder residue, but I'm guessing that it is because it's described as such. Um, we, we should have called our buddy Austin. He would have told us. Yeah, so my guess is that th- they seem pretty certain, the medical examiner, she seems pretty certain that, that this would have been him kind of shielding his, his face or his head okay. from from possibly somebody approaching him with a gun. Now, she surmised that Billings was first shot on his left side, and the neck wound was probably the last. And that one was coming from his right side. Um, well, here's what they state. They state that he his head was probably in a downward position when he was shot in the neck. Um, and the medical examiner believes that the first shot that hit him was one of the shots on the left side of Brandon's head. So if, and if anybody close to Brandon out there, if you were listening, you might want to tune this out for, for just the next couple minutes here. Cause I kind of want to clear this up the way that it sounds like the medical examiner understands this to have gone down. So she states that one of the first shots would have been those two shots to the left side of his head, which we already know is from an indeterminate range. So we don't know the distance of where those were fired from. But then we have the next shot would be the one to the right side of his head, which is estimated to be from a distance from 6 to 12 inches. Right. 
And then the final shot would be that of the one that hit him in the neck while his head was down. So the way that I'm guessing that this goes down, according to the way that she has kind of figured this out and pieced it together, all these shots came from the same gun. So it sounds like he was probably fired upon twice. The gunman then approached him to get closer to, to hit him from that six to 12 inches range. I'm guessing at that point is when he probably put up his hand and received those gunpowder grains to the hand. When that close range shot hit him, he may have been dead before he was even hit that fourth time or, right. or in the process of that. And that's where he was slumped down and then shot in the neck. Okay. So we have the autopsy coming in and, and they're saying that they believe that this, all these shots came from the same gun. Right. So what does that tell us? Do we then assume there's one individual? I would guess so. I'm guessing that this went down fairly quickly. And here's why. We know that he was reported to have been leaving the on your way convenience store at 3:40. And that's not just that's not just the uh his friend saying he left at 3:40. We have surveillance footage of him leaving at 3:40. What did he buy there? That I don't know. They didn't give they didn't give the particulars of that in this statement. Right, because he's not old enough to buy buy booze, so. Yeah, and the thing too is, you know, sometimes they call these things convenience stores. And, you know, different parts of the country seem to call things different things, you know, where here, like we might say somebody may have stopped at a convenience store, but you and I know if there's a gas pump in front of that convenience store, it's a gas station to you and I, we don't care how big the store is inside and how many things they sell. We would always refer to that as a gas station. Right. So is it possible that he, that he filled up some gas? Is it possible he just stopped in there to get something to drink that I don't know, but we do know he left at three forty. What we also know is that these shots were first heard by the guy that was camping with his wife in the RV at four o'clock. Right. So a 30 minute window, 20 minute window. What? So, oh yeah. three forty. Sorry. Yeah. And the, you can't feed me beer and expect <laughs> me to do math. Well, and the, the, um, the, I don't have this right on me right now. We'll get to it later. Cause I know it's in the notes somewhere. but the drive time, this would not have left a whole lot of time for something to go down. So, Whenever he arrived at this location, he was shot fairly quickly Quick, after yeah. arriving at this location. So, okay, a couple questions that I have and that we have so far is where was he heading? Why was he out that late? Um, was there more than one individual? Was he in the truck or out of the truck? Uh, and why did he pull off that road? Mm-hmm. You know, and then I guess the other question is, was the damage uh, before the attack or was it after the attack? The damage to the vehicle? Yeah. Yeah, and that's one thing that the police seem to really be focusing in on because they questioned the medical examiner quite a bit about this. They wanted to know that would he have lost consciousness after the first shot or the first two shots? They're trying to determine if the crash, if he crashed the truck before or after he was shot. Mm-hmm. The medical examiner could not necessarily clear that up for the detectives. She simply reported that he most likely would have lost consciousness. He would not have been able to be alert or to do anything with purpose. And right. what she's stating there is he could have been operating the vehicle in some form, some fashion after having been shot, but he would not have been doing it with any purpose or, or he would not have been a alert doing this meaning like we said earlier his foot could have just simply came off the brake or went to the gas pedal and he moved the vehicle after being shot after attack well i wonder if the vehicle was found in park or not Hmm, that's a good question that that's a really good question something that they left out of the report um the pathologist also found that billings had suffered blunt force trauma and a laceration to the face stating that he struck an object or an object struck him. Okay. Again, you wonder, um, because we don't know what the injury is. Is this possibly an injury that could have taken place during, during a game? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm guessing I, I'm that guessing not, but 
No, I, this to me sounds like something that happened that night. That that either and probably during this attack or the result of the truck uh, wrecking. Right. I failed to mention this earlier, but when they were going through the crime scene, it, after the police had been there for some time, remember the homeowner, the Larry who had let the people hunt on his property, uh-huh. him and his sons eventually came down to the crime scene at some point. And one of his sons uh, noticed that there was a rock that had what appeared to have been blood on it. Uh, and they cleared this up in the, in the lab test, in the autopsy reports it was a blood. It was actually blood that was on that rock. And the rock is reported to have been found about 100 feet from where the truck came to rest. Okay. So we should point out, point out that the medical examiner is not a blood spatter expert, but she stated it was possible that one or two wounds may have occurred at the location of the rock. The blood on the rock was later identified as that of Brandon's. Right. Or the rock was a weapon. Mm hmm. I mean, he got smashed in the face with something. They also found a cigarette butt in the area. Um, This was found at the scene. This had Ricky Stewart's DNA on it. Uh, Ricky Stewart had been smoking, and in his statement said he had been smoking and tossed the cigarette out before he found the body. That's always something that I think about is if you do find, if you stumble upon a crime scene and you're the one that reports it to the cops, that you're going to be the one questioned. Obviously. Yeah. yeah, and I can't remember there is a there is a certain percentage that comes with that that people having reported finding a body are actually the one that put it there. Right. Um but how about this Ricky Stewart? Don't litter, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah all right. Don't throw your cigarette butts in the woods and you can prevent forest fires there, Ricky Stewart. Yeah, and how about your buddy is nice enough to let you hunt on his property and you're out there flicking your cigarette butts yeah. all over the place. Litter bug. Yeah, just, I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to make a call to Larry. I'm going to make a call to Larry. We're yeah. going to shut this Ricky guy down. Yes, tell him, hey. Yeah, and you notice, remember when uh, he was saying, uh, I noticed it looked very clean. That's because you haven't been on the property <laughs> littering everything. That's exactly Littering right. everywhere, you litter bug. Uh, five days after Brandon's body was discovered, a fisherman putting a boat in the New River, this is near the crime scene, he looked down and he spotted two items in the water. All right, there there are almost always these strange stories and coincidences in these cases that just make you scratch your head, and this is one of one of them. You know, I'm I read the, scratching my head. I read this report and it really screwed me up, and I had to do some really interestingly boring fact checking here. How can it be interesting and boring? Well, it was tedious, my friend. Because listen to this. Okay, it's something that really doesn't matter at the end of the day, but well, thanks for wasting everybody. Well, it, I mean, it kind of, ma- it kind of matters, but or, let me tell you this. Okay. Okay. Just tell us what the situation is. The fisherman that spotted these items in the new river, his name, are you ready for this? Yeah. Is Ricky Stewart. What? Yeah. Ricky Stewart. This is Ricky Eugene Stewart. Ricky R I C K Y as compared to our other Ricky Stewart, which is R I K K I. Okay. So two different, completely different Ricky Stewart's <laughs> are involved in the same. So that you get now why the, the fact checking was pretty boring on that one. Yeah. But was Ricky Stewart like some kind of race car driver? Like, like he's like a famous guy in there. Like back in the day. And then like a bunch of people named their kids after way, way to put me on the, on the, <laughs> put me on the spot here to, to name. I race think I'm car wrong. I, I think, you know, I know there was a Jimmy Stewart. There you go. Anyway, so the items that Ricky Stewart found in the water five days after Brandon's body was found, well, it was Brandon Billings' driver's license and a credit card. Okay. So he decides to place these items on the front of his boat, and he continued to fish for about 15 minutes or so (laughs) while he was trying to figure out what he should do. Yeah, stop fishing. He decided that he was going to get the boat out of the water and he was going to call in the evidence that he had found. Well, when he's exiting the water, he ends up finding another item. And this is Brandon's maroon tied ID card from his uh, high school. Yeah. So Ricky Stewart drove up the hill to get a cellular signal and called his brother, who in turn called the police. 
I'm but, surprised with you know these counties being such a small county, and it's also, like I said, uh, you know, this is time I'm familiar with. Most of my friends and most people I knew didn't have a cell phone, so yep. there's a lot of cell phones in this case. So the the officers having this information and this new evidence, uh, they they went the next day to where this item where these items were recovered. Yeah. And they were searching the area and they ended up finding Brandon's wallet in the river. Uh, it stated that it was found quite a ways away from the crime scene, but not in a direction that it would have been carried by the river itself. Right. They also used metal detectors to search part of the new river for a gun or other evidence, but did not find a gun or any other evidence. I'm assuming there was no money in the wallet. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there was anything in the wallet. There was nothing reported as having been in the wallet. So it almost looks like somebody had the wallet, pulled out the ID cards and threw them, and then, then threw the wallet. So they probably weren't thrown together. Right. They, like somebody maybe somebody went, was going through it. Somebody took the time to go through the wallet, discard these items. It looks. It sounds to me like they threw them all out roughly in about the same place in the same location. But this shows us we have somebody who is discarding evidence. Um, yeah. How did they get that wallet? They must have pulled it from either his truck or from his pant pocket after having shot him. And now they're a ways away, quote unquote, a ways away from the crime scene. And they're disposing of evidence. And I'm sure some people are scratching their heads. You and I had this conversation off of, uh, you know, in the garage when the mics were not turned on a lot of, well, I have uh, surveillance on you at all times, but the, you know, people probably scratching their heads wondering, okay, this fisherman finds these, the ID, the driver's license of a guy that is known to have been killed in the area. And then he gets in the boat and he goes fishing for a few minutes while he decides what to do. Fish I, on man fish on. Well, I actually don't find any problem with that. I think, I think that <laughs> I look, it's not ideal, right? You would, you, you would think that even in that situation, all of us would immediately rush to call the authorities. He then calls his brother instead. And then brother calls the authorities I don't find anything wrong with that just because I think some people get scared. I think some people, they, they stumble across something they didn't expect to find. Yeah. And it just, it startles them. It just, it, it unnerves you a bit and you don't think clearly for a few minutes. Well, it's probably the reason he called his brother first to go, Hey, I found this. What, what should I do? Right. He's just to get some confidence. Yeah. I don't know what to do here, bro. Tell me what to do. Now, the other thing, (laughs) uh, I'm actually happy that he waited a few minutes just because he ends up finding more evidence when he's exiting the water. So who knows, had he not found that, if he would have chose to do differently. The the um, Brandon's funeral was one of the largest ever accommodated at the local funeral home in Independence, with an estimated 1,200 people attending. For Christmas that year, the family received a headstone that they placed at their son's grave. Yeah. This was a gray granite in the shape of a, of a football, mm-hmm. the twin County crime stoppers. This is unfortunate. The twin County crime crime stoppers did not have enough funds on hand to pay a $1,000 reward to offer a reward for information in the case, but not a lot of crimes in this area. Right. So, I mean, it is a shame though. They appealed to the County board. Well, but here's what's more sad is why we need to, put a dollar amount on, you know, doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. If you have information on somebody's death, you come forward. And if you don't, then I just question your morals in general yeah. or your character. Yeah. They, they appealed to the County board for money for a reward. Uh, the board decided against using public funds for a reward and they kind of threw it back at the public to make donations And that's why it's so important. You know, we mentioned some of the donations and the fundraising earlier, uh, but friends planned a benefit for the reward fund. This started in January, the January after Brandon was killed. And many local businesses and individuals did donate to this fund. While the county's decision not to contribute to the reward fund was upsetting to the Billings family, Brandon's mother, Sherry, said that her biggest fear 
was that without an arrest, another teen could die or be killed. Yeah. Stating that the killer may think, hey, I got away with that one. Brandon's mother said she wanted closure. She wanted to know why her son died and who was responsible for killing her son, Brandon Billings. All right, a lot more to get to in part two of the case of Brandon Billings. And we teamed up with some awesome guys over AMN Clothing. They helped us out and made some really cool t-shirts. These guys are real artists with great designs. And you can check those out at their website. What, Captain, what is their website? It's amnclothing.com or you could go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the store page. They'll be available for a limited time, a limited number. So you want to get them now. And they come in multiple colors, but I think everybody will really dig the logo. All right. Thank you, Captain. And thank you to everybody out there for listening and for telling a friend and for the five-star reviews. We will see you back here tomorrow. Bring your butt back to the garage. Until then, <laughs> be good, be kind, and don't litter. Yeah, Ricky Stewart. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.